Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. I'm Niall and this is Friday's Football Social Daily. We're an award-winning Premier League podcast from the Sports Social team. Hit subscribe now and don't miss a thing, including any of our weekly interviews with former Premier League personalities. This week we've been speaking to Manchester United legend Wes Brown, so just go back a couple of episodes in the timeline to hear that one. But on today's show we'll get stuck into our Friday Fast 3. Three games, three talking points, five minutes for each. Your rapid roundup of the weekend ahead in the top flight. And what a wild week it has been. It all started with Manchester City being accused by the Premier League of more than 100 breaches of their financial rules. Will those allegations help or hinder City on the pitch against Villa this weekend? That game comes after Arsenal's chance to bounce back when they take on a Brentford side who battered Liverpool last week. And is Nathan Jones already in the last chance saloon at Southampton? Wolves their opponents with the South Coast club stuck to the bottom of the table. Thanks for being with us today. And by us, I'm of course referring to the twosome that is Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. The weekend's here. How are you doing, fellas? Good morning. Yes. Uh, yeah. Nice decent weekend coming up actually so not bad well what have you got planned i'm going to a dishoom in manchester for the first time ever i've never been um even though i've lived here for mate years. i love it there it's one of yeah, my favorite restaurants i've, I've just really really i've just never been so i'm like right this weekend i'm going with a couple of mates and and we'll, uh, we'll see what it's all about. We're not sponsored by Dishume or anything here. It just is one of my favourite restaurants <laughs> in Manchester. But if anyone from Dishume is listening, you're more than welcome to sponsor the show. You've got to get the gunpowder potatoes. Have to get that. You have to get the chicken biryani. And probably, I don't know if you're... A, oh, you can't have lentils, can you? Yeah. I was going to say. You've got to get the house dal, but you're not a lentil Ooh, man. So maybe not. But those two definitely. Gunpowder potatoes and the chicken oh, biryani. has got to be done. Dal. Get some naan in it. Dip away. See, Joel knows. Joel's a man of culture. You don't know anything. There is a co-op just next door, Marley, so if you struggle with the food, you can always get a meal deal. I've been to, I've been to the co-op plenty of times. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's crack on with the weekend's Premier League action. This is what we do on a Friday on the show. We pick three matches, 
three talking points and we've got five minutes for each. The lads will be against the clock. As soon as that five minutes is up, they will need to stop talking and we will move on to the next game. And the first game we're going to talk about is at three o'clock on Saturday. It's Arsenal against Brentford. And of course, the Gunners, even though they're still top of the table, were beaten last week by a Sean Dyche-led Everton. What a first game for him in charge at Goodison Park. But Arsenal will need to respond to keep that gap healthy between themselves and Manchester City, considering their next game on Wednesday after this weekend is against Manchester City. So that certainly is mouthwatering already, but it could be slightly different depending on this weekend's result. Do you think, Joel, that the Gunners can bounce back from defeat at Everton because Brentford absolutely hammered Liverpool last weekend? Yeah, the stakes are high for this one, I think, especially after Arsenal's setback, the first setback they've had since October last year. But then again, equally for Brentford, they've not been beaten since October last year. So a 10-game undefeated streak going into it. So it's just two teams who were pretty banging form, obviously disregarding Arsenal's Everton game. They're both teams who can easily cause each other damage. And I think, especially for Arsenal as well, the fact that they've got City coming up just after it. I don't know if that's going to play into the nerves or the, the pressure going into it because they know that if they are to drop points in this one, it just means that City will go into the game at the Emirates with even more of a incentive to go and win it, which could potentially mean going above them or going really close to them. So I think for Arsenal, I know they've got a really good record at home this season. It's looking like a probably one-way street in terms of um, how the game's going to go, how the possession's going to go. It's going to be Brentford backs, backs against the wall, but I'm sure Arsenal would have picked any other team but Brentford in the bottom half but I was going to say bottom half but Brentford are like 8th at the moment so they are a dangerous side and I think the fact that they've benefited massively from the Ivan Tony situation with the alleged betting uh, allegations they're really benefiting from the fact that nothing's come of that just yet and it's already nearly 2 months into the season where obviously the allegations were made but it's still been quite a while since they've been made. So I think they're probably hoping that that can just keep dragging on and on and on into the season where they can still use him because regardless of what's happened, it's clearly not doing anything to him off the pitch because he's still really banging form. But I think Arsenal fans, just watching some of their reactions from the Everton game, they're not panicking. They know that it's it happens in a title race where you do get these games where new managers come in um, and the tide seems to switch. But this is the real test. Can they react to it and can they get a, a, a victory going into that City game? Because I think it is massively important. If they are to get two losses or another result where they drop points in a row going into the City game, I think there'll be massive pressure going into that one. Brentford have been really impressive this season, Marley. As we said, they swept aside Liverpool last weekend. So it won't be easy for Arsenal. I know that's a bit of a cliche, but it, it won't be. But you'd expect a team who are looking to win a title this season to be able to beat a side that are sixth, seventh in the table. That's just the harsh reality of the Premier League. If they don't, Joel's right. That gap of five points, if Manchester City beat Villa, goes to two points and City can overtake them on Wednesday. So this is a bigger game than maybe it looks on paper. Yeah, I think this is a this is a massive game really because you know with Arsenal failing to beat Everton last week thanks to the the uh the new version of Deitch Ball, it's um it's coming to the this I think it's the start of the period where Arsenal are going to get really tested. Like we're looking at um you know looking at look 
looking at them at the top of the league and going, yeah, they've been brilliant so far, but you don't win a you don't win a league in in December, you don't win a league before the World Cup or January, you don't win the transfer window. Uh, it doesn't really count for anything. So it comes down to what you do in that second half of the season, and and everyone's looking at them saying, right, well they've got to play City twice, so they've probably got to be six points clear for them to be favourites. Then they lose to Everton. Now it's five points, um, you know, and could be two. So, you know, the the Brentford game coming off the back of the um, of of the Everton game is is huge because you're probably looking at Brentford and saying they can hurt you in more ways than than Everton can. They're probably not as physical, but they're much uh, they're much more fluid in attack, and they've got a, a man up front in Ivan Tony that can hurt you. They've got a new uh, twenty five thirty million pound signing on the bench in that shard shard shade shard whatever you call him. Um, you know, and Bermo's a handful at, at the best of times. Um, at the worst of times, he's a handful. But you know, he's always a pain in your ass, basically, when you're trying to uh, to win a game. Um, so it's a, it's a big test because Brentford haven't shown any sort of fear this season, and they never do. Ever since coming into the Premier League, they turned Arsenal over two nil on the first their first game in the Premier League a couple of years ago. Well, last year, wasn't it? Last September. Mm. I remember it. Friday night game as well. First of the season. Yeah. Brilliant. Long, was it a mm. long throw in that ended up getting headed in? That would, that summed up Arsenal at the time, but they're a much, much different side now, obviously. But this is the, the, the period now where they've got to prove their metal sort of thing. You know, it's all very well having 50 points, but by halfway now, but you know, you've got to beat them and then you've got to, um, Going to the the two games a week period where you're back in the Europa League and and see it through. Marley, you're good at this, beating the buzzer again. Marley truly strains out the water when it comes to the end of these uh, quizzes. <laughs> Don't gets every last second out. That's what it's there. You've only got five minutes to discuss the fixture, and that is uh, Arsenal against Brentford this weekend. It's like in a it's like in a boxing round when you hear the clapper go and there's ten seconds left. You think I'm getting a break in ten yeah. seconds. So you just throw hell for yeah. leather for ten. Or seconds. Or you just dance away from your opponent and try not to get hit when you're absolutely struggling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's normally what happens. Uh, no struggling there though from Marley. Marley or Joel. Arsenal uh, against Brentford this weekend in the Premier League. Three o'clock kickoff on Saturday afternoon at the Emirates Stadium. Right, moving on now to our second game that we're going to discuss. And this one is an interesting one as well. It takes place at the bottom of the table as Southampton, currently rock bottom of the standings, 20th out of 20, 15 points and more than three points from safety. They're now four points from safety. They take on a Wolves side who have seen a bit of an upturn recently under Julian Lopetegui. He's 15th in the table with his new club on 20 points. So there's still just a two point gap to the relegation zone. So it's not all easy going from here on out for Wolves. But let's focus on Nathan Jones first, Marley. Another weird press conference yesterday with some interesting things he said, such as I could have stayed in Wales from a mining family and married a Welsh girl, but instead I've become a football manager. I'm not quite sure he was trying trying to get at with those and then he said nothing against Welsh girls yeah not really sure he was trying to get out with those comments <laughs> I was looking at the comments on YouTube on the Southampton press conference on Facebook on Twitter not something I normally do as a Portsmouth fan but I just wanted to gauge the opinion of those Southampton supporters and from what I could see on social media and I know it's a bit of an echo chamber and I know it's not always accurate it feels to me that Jones has already lost the fans at St Mary's but he remains defiant 
in what he's been saying in his press conferences. He was given backing by the club hierarchy earlier on this week to some extent. As I mentioned, Southampton are rock bottom of the table. He insists that good work is going on behind the scenes, but he's in must-win territory already, surely. I think he is. Um, I think I, I would echo what you said about the fans. I, I think... If he was sacked now, I think the fans would be like, okay, fine. I, I don't think anybody's bothered if, if they made another change, as long as he got the next the next guy right. But from the start, he's he's just, I don't know, he, he just says weird things and he comes across a bit, just a bit strange, really. And I, I, there, was, there was one thing he said in his press conference yesterday, and I know I'm eating to your time here, so I'm sorry, but he said, I've never made excuses for results. I've always taken it on the chin. That is an absolute lie. Any Stoke fan listening or any Luton fan listening, you listen to Nathan Jones after any of his post-match interviews in the last six years. Even games against my club, Portsmouth, he's blamed the supporters of Portsmouth for losing a game. He's blamed referees. He's blamed weather conditions. He's he's blamed all sorts of stuff. It's like asking a, a you know a racing driver, why did you lose a race today? It's never, oh, I wasn't good enough. It's a, oh, My tyres weren't good. My, my car's crap. You know, my steering wheel <laughs> like came asking- off. Or it's like asking Jürgen, clockwise lost the game. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, here comes the comments for the rest of the day. You're all on Klopp's back again. It's just Joel, everyone. It's just Joel. Um, nah, but I don't know. Jones, is just, he just says weird things and you just think, that's not going to win anyone over. Like, he makes such strong statements as if he's, um, you know, the reincarnation of Alex Ferguson. And he's, he's, he's a guy who's just finding his feet in the Premier League. Like... And we all know that you won't be given time to, to find your feet. That isn't the league. That's not how the league works. It's not how Premier League football works at all. Any club will uh, will be thinking, did we make a mistake here? And, you know, we sat here on uh, on the podcast when uh, when he was announced and we just, I think we all just went, like, why? Like, why him? Like, it's a huge step up. You've then got to learn and you're in a relegation fight. All the the logic, even if he survives, all the logic coming into this situation was he's going to struggle here, um, you know. And and now he's instead of being, um, sort of getting the press and the fans on side, he's being spiky and he's being a bit like it's roughing people up the wrong way. And and I think it's gonna it's gonna go against him because even if the squad's on his side, if the squad loses three out of the next four games and they get cut five points adrift at the bottom of the uh, in the relegation zone, there five points from safety. You know that he's going to get sacked, and they're going to they're going to go. Oh well, we'll we'll try someone else. So I don't really understand his his um, his approach to the whole thing so far at all. When you compare the two clubs, Joel, and their respective managerial appointments, how do you reflect on it? Nathan Jones brought in from a Championship club into Southampton when they were struggling. Wolves go for the former. Real Madrid and Spain manager. How do you assess that situation? Well, they're two completely different ends of the spectrum, aren't they? Uh, Julian Lopetegui's come with a massive reputation. I know that he didn't have the greatest spell in the Spanish uh, managerial role and his Real Madrid job lasted, I think it was around two months because of the uh, conflict of interest between the national team job. But the job that he's done in La Liga has been incredible. And then when you look at Nathan Jones, who has absolutely no pedigree in European football apart from you know making a small Luton side on a relatively shoestring budget a little bit better than they actually are it's a totally different um, comparison and I just think when you look at Wolves for example that victory that they got against Liverpool 
it's almost reminiscent of when um, Nuno was there and he started to make Wolves feel like a really difficult side to beat, especially when they first came into the Premier League or the season after when they started to establish themselves. Every single time you go to Molyneux, you know that it would be a really tough game. And their home record, I think, was one of the best in the league that year when they finished, I think it was around 7th or 8th. Um, and this time it just feels like those kind of results almost set a little bit of a warning sign and a rapid start begin to start a reputation towards the rest of the Premier League which is that Wolves are starting to become a really tough side to face again and when you look at Southampton you know rock bottom of the Premier League if they are to lose this game it takes and let's say West Ham and Leeds get a result in the next one or two games it takes them seven points clear seven points adrift of getting outside the relegation zone and like you've both mentioned when it feels like the fans are no longer on his side and it just feels like probably the players aren't as well. Uh, I think there's only one route. And when they've got Leeds to play as well, just after this, I think the writing's on the wall for him. All right, you guys, I might need to shorten this 15-second timer to like five seconds because we always have this lag at the end. Should buzzer, should come any second. There it is. We need to have a bit more jeopardy. I might change it up next week. We'll wait and see. Um, Aston Villa against Manchester City is the game we're going to talk about next. But Southampton versus Wolves, a really important matchup at the bottom end of the Premier League table. That one is three o'clock at St. Mary's on Saturday. Moving on to Sunday, the game between City and Villa is at the Etihad. It's a half four kickoff. It rounds off the weekend's Premier League fixtures. Of course, the Merseyside derby between Liverpool and Everton is on Monday night at 8pm and we'll talk about that on Monday's edition of the podcast. But for now, let's focus on Man City against Aston Villa. And it's fair to say it's been a turbulent week at the Etihad Stadium. Do you think this week's news, Marley, will adversely affect... Pep Guardiola and his players or do you think that might have the opposite effect? Do you think it might galvanise them? I think it'll probably have uh, a good effect on them to be honest. I think I think what Man City were lacking this season so far was um, motivation. Um, you know, I think Pep a couple of months ago talked about complacency setting into the um, setting into the side and, and he could see a defeat coming um, and things like that and you know, he was trying to guard against that, but you know, how do you do that? Do you, you know, do you do you take out players that have won loads of things and put new ones in, put young ones in, and stuff like that? So, I think he needed something from somewhere, and I think this could actually be um, a really good thing because, you know, Guardiola can now say, "Look, everyone's against us. Everyone thinks you cheaters. Everyone thinks, you know, you've you've uh, you've cheated your way to to." three, four Premier Leagues and loads of FA Cups, uh, Carabao Cups and the FA Cup and got to the Champions League final. They think you're doing it because you were cheating. Um, let's let's prove that we're not. You know, Let's prove that we're just too, too good. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Man City kicked on now and uh, and and reeled in Arsenal and, and went on and won the league because it's that kind of uh, siege mentality that this will bring them. You know, they're again, like the Premier League the Premier League has accused them of something and now they've got to prove it. So what bigger... They had the similar thing with UEFA, isn't it? That's why the fans have always, even though they boo the Champions League anthem, they always want to do well in the Champions League, almost to spite UEFA. Do you think yeah. Pep might be in that dressing room this weekend saying, nobody wants you to win? Mm. Not a single person, even the Premier League do not want you to win. So go out there and prove them wrong. Yeah, I mean, what what better way to stick two fingers up to the Premier League than to go and win your fourth fourth Premier League title in five years like when when they're trying to build this case against you and saying oh well they've cheated 
you know, at at best, you know, Man City could win this league again, and then let's say they got found guilty. Whoever came second would would win the league, but they'd have an asterisk against their name as well because they didn't really win the league. So even if they get found guilty in the next six months or whatever it may be, you know, City can still prove that they're the best team on the pitch. However, that came about. There's always they can still always make people think, you know, they won the title because we, you know, because the Premier League had it had an agenda against us. They didn't win the league. If Arsenal go and win it, they didn't win it because they were the best on the pitch. So they can do that in the next four months, three three and a half four months, and then it will always be it'll always sort of be better for City to to think about that because they were still the best on the pitch. So this can really be uh, a big sort of turning point for them, I think, and give them that motivation to to go in and stick two fingers up to the Prem. Aston Villa are their opponents. Of course, Unai Emery came in to take over from Steven Gerrard and has had a pretty good time of it. His honeymoon spell has been decent, albeit it was ended last week at home to Leicester with a 4-2 loss. He's got the mid-table at the moment. They're a decent distance away from the relegation places, Jill. Do you think that those relegation fears are extinguished now for Aston Villa? Is it all about rolling with the rest of the season and seeing how they get on? Yeah, they're, they're having a pretty comfortable season now, aren't they? With um, Emery coming in, it just seems like he's settled the, the boat a little bit and he understands what the best team is and how to get the best out of them because I think prior to him coming in, it felt like no manager really knew exactly what to do with that crop of players that they had. Especially, well, Gerard, especially when he had so many of these different kind of dynamic players, it just felt like he wasn't getting enough out of them. And then obviously they brought in a manager with real European pedigree who's managing a VRAL, took him to a Champions League semi-final, um, bit of a king in Europe and knows how to manage different types of European talent. Bit more experience for that kind of role and I think he's come in and done such a good job to the point where, you know, they're only two points off Chelsea, which kind of shows just how much of a good season they're having. And I think Aston Villa fans, prior to Gerrard going, were probably, were probably taking 11th place, you know, um, position right now just because it's a settled one and they're a good 10 points from the relegation zone I know that they've got City now and then they've got Arsenal to play next which could change you know the dynamic of their season a little bit but I think they're too consistent I mean they've only had one loss in their last five games and they've been three of those wins in the last five so they're pretty consistent with the results that they're getting it's not like they're losing momentum they seem to react really well in the season so I don't think they've got any problems there um Definitely an improvement on Gerard anyway, because who wouldn't be? <laughs> He's getting his digs in on Liverpool today, isn't he? Before the weekend, before he disappears for two days and comes back on Monday. Um, <laughs> Manchester City against Aston Villa is this weekend's 4.30 kickoff on Sunday. Yeah, I certainly agree with you when it comes to Villa. If you look at their results, they've beaten the teams that are below them. They beat Leeds, they beat Southampton. And naturally, by doing that, that increases the distance between you and the relegation zone. All right, let's go through some of the other games that are taking place this weekend in the Premier League. And I'll ask you both for your pick of the ones we haven't talked about. West Ham versus Chelsea, a London derby, always a tasty fixture. That's half 12 on Saturday. Palace, Brighton. Now, we could have spoken about that one today because there is a rivalry between the two sides. That's three o'clock Saturday. Fulham, Nottingham Forest, Leicester Spurs and Bournemouth Newcastle complete the Saturday roster of matches. On to Sunday, Leeds United take 
take on Manchester United at two o'clock. And as I mentioned, Monday night is the Merseyside derby at Anfield as Liverpool host Sean Dyche's Everton. So if you were going to pick one further fixture to watch, which one would you pick? I think it has to be the Merseyside derby, to be honest, just because I think this is the first time, I can't remember the last time Everton won at Anfield. I'm pretty sure it's a number and number of years ago. But I feel like this is probably the best time in, I don't even know, like seven years to play Liverpool at Anfield at the moment. Well, do you know what's funny Uh, is I spoke to a Burnley fan recently about Sean Dyche and what he could offer Everton. And he said, Sean Dyche is one of those managers who comes in, gets the players working hard, tries to increase the fitness levels. But what he managed to do when he was at Burnley is get them a win over Blackburn for the first time in years and obviously they're big rivals, Burnley and Blackburn. And Blackburn haven't beaten Burnley since Sean Dyche was the manager 10, 11 years ago. So, you know, you're, you're talking about someone who is able to get a team up for this sort of game. Not that they need it anyway. Yeah, he's a, he's renowned to be a bit of a giant killer. I always remember when Robbie Blake scored the only goal in the game against uh, Man <laughs> United when he first came what up a volley. in promotion. Yeah, I remember it. Um, it was so so much of a shock as well because nobody thought that Burnley could even touch these big teams and then obviously you just had uh, Everton beat Arsenal who looked absolutely untouchable um, since October and they pretty much outplayed them for large periods of the game so I think this one though this one would mean the most because like I say they've not won at Anfield in a number of years and I just think that for Everton as a football club if they are able to get one over on the rivals or even just take some points just take something away from there it'll transform their season because they'll have so much belief and then I mean as for Liverpool (laughs) I don't know what that would do for them (laughs) but right now they are really on the ropes and that's why it's just the best time to play them at the moment Marley what are you going to watch? well Newcastle hopefully (laughs) but yeah I don't know that that is the standout one Everton Liverpool on it or being on the Monday night is is the uh is the big standout game. We've got some big derbies this weekend. You know, West Ham, Chelsea, Leeds, Manchester United is a rivalry, as is Palace against Brighton. And then, you know, the Merseyside derby on Monday. So it should be some, should be competitive this week. It always is in the Premier League. But, you know, in terms of what the games mean, I suppose you could say, there's a little bit more on the line this weekend. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Leeds, Man United coming off, it's, it's that's got an even weirder dynamic coming off the back of, uh, of Wednesday as well with, you know, Man Man United will know now that Leeds can can hurt them, and they're up for this. Even though, I think they'll learn from that and and win the game fairly comfortably. But you know, you never know with with a team with no manager. Sometimes it goes. Look at look at Bournemouth. I think they're the most informed team in the in the league under Gary O'Neill when he was a caretaker manager. Then they give him the contract, and he's been crap ever since. But it's uh, it's weird. Football's weird. So I don't know really. Um, <laughs> Bournemouth. Football is weird. It is <laughs> very weird. It is. It's, it's weird. Weird things happen, and they don't surprise you because you've seen weird things before. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. West Ham, Chelsea. I think that's. It looks like a decent game on paper, but they're both playing pretty, pretty poorly yeah. at the minute. So, you know, Chelsea will struggle along in that. Are you concerned with Newcastle's form at the moment? I don't mean to say they've lost games, but the fact that you draw in so many and starting to slip a little bit. No, not not really. Um, I think if you look at the way. The reason we're sort of not winning, like reason we didn't win last week, we we uh, we lacked Bruno uh, in the middle with uh, with his you know red card against um, Southampton in the the League Cup. So he's a he's a, with Newcastle. I've got vibes of Leicester finishing fifth when they should have finished fourth those two seasons in a row. I've got real 
vibes of that yeah. happening. Oh, where they just drop it fair, in the last few games. I'm not. Yeah, that that is in my head as well. To be fair, but we've lost one game still. Ah, but surely you'd be happy with like a Europa League finish. Yeah. I mean, that is the, the mad thing is, as Marley says, oh, they've lost one game all season. That's crazy. That. Yeah, and it was a 98th minute winner against Liverpool when there was four or five minutes added on. So at Anfield as well. So it's it's not. You know, I know we've we've drawn ten games, but you know, a lot of that's been. Imagine if that was a getting equalised. If that stuff, was a draw know. against Liverpool. Newcastle could do an uh, invincible season, but finish fourth or fifth. <laughs> Can you imagine? I was thinking about that Back recently. In the day when Wenger did that, I wonder how many how many points did Arsenal get that season when they went undefeated? It was it was twelve draws, wasn't it? I always remember twelve draws and twenty six wins. Yeah, so a hell of a I lot of draws. I can't do the maths on that. But and Robert Perez dived at Fratton Park for a penalty. By the way, just to let you know <laughs> that invincible season should never have been invincible, and there was a bit of underhandedness at Highbury as well. Anyway, that's another story for another day. I'm sure we'll get the take of some former Arsenal players in the future because we're hoping to get a few on the podcast for you over the next few weeks and months as we tick towards the end of the Premier League season. We've had someone who has experience of playing against Arsenal on the podcast this week, Wes Brown, who was in the tunnel at Highbury in 2004 when some Italian food was being thrown around (laughs) between two sets of players. Um, Not Manchester United's pizzas, according to Wes. You can hear the full story on Football Social Daily from Wednesday. So if you're on the timeline, just scroll back and you'll find it. If you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss another episode of this show again. But from myself, Joel and Marley, that is it. Have a great weekend and we'll see you again on Monday here on FSD. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.